the, the title of my message is uh, Let the Light Shine, but I was thinking of uh, just, you know, after we came, came back from, um, or was involved in my high school reunion, and seeing all the places where we are from, <laughs> all the individuals of our past that we, you know, you, you, you think of it, you only spent, well, either six or 12 years with these, with these kids, uh, with these individuals, and yet they are, there's a lifelong connection for some of them. And uh, it was interesting to see how most of them you'd, I haven't seen for 50 years, and how that, um, you know, they've changed in, in some ways, and, you know, you always expected some of them to be very successful, and then there was others on the you didn't know about, and then there were some that you never expected them to change, and they never did. So, um, but it's, it's interesting how that some of our, two of our classmates, and they're probably my, uh, uh, well, one of them was one of my best friends, and uh, he wasn't able to make it because he was just in Indiana for, uh, Indiana PA, uh, for, he was inducted into the Indiana County Hall of Fame for his uh, uh, football career, and he was also an outstanding uh, linebacker at Georgia Tech, and uh, you know, could and he was ended up being in banking, and so he's he's very he's done very well for himself. And then the other friend that I was friends with from first grade, he's um, he's a realtor and a, a lawyer. I think he's a lawyer. He went to Duquesne Finance. He was in finance, and so he's done very well for himself. And, and so those are two of those uh, individuals. And of course, you have other individuals that, you know, they've stayed right where they were at and they've, they haven't changed much and there's nothing wrong with that. But the, the challenge for us and what I, I heard this, this, uh, just this phrase and it says, this is where we are from, but it is not who we are. You know, I said that the, the title of my message was Let the Light Shine. So we picked the, the, the light of Jesus Christ and shine it upon our lives and it, re- it illuminates to us that as you look back over your life and you go here and I have a scrapbook that you can see what I looked like whenever I was young. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, that's where we are from, but it's not who we are. When lo- the light of Christ shines on our life, we are, we are different. We are different because we've, m- we've come a long way. And what people thought we were going to be isn't, you know, for, me, for myself, what people thought I was going to be is far from what I am. And it is only by the grace of God and, and the, the word of God and the help of leading of the Holy Spirit that, I have, that I'm not what everybody thought I would be. You know, everyone thought that I would, you know, stay at the farm and, you know, be in agriculture and farming and, you know, do that whole um, you know, do the farming, because one of my friends, uh, he's, you know, he stayed on the farm, and now his grandkids are on the farm, and, you know, they continue to milk cows, and, you know, bring in the corn and the silos, and, you know, so they, everyone thought I would be along with him, but um, there's nothing, you know, if God hadn't intervened and taken us in the directions and the steps that we had gone through, I wouldn't be here today, and it's, it's interesting, uh, I don't think I've ever really talked about it, but whenever I was in, whenever I was in, college, in high school, um, it wasn't until I was a, a freshman that I decided that I should go to, that I wanted to go to college. And so everybody else in the college career classes were, had already taken them. And so when I became a, um, oh no, it was when I became a junior. 
when I was a junior, my sophomore year, I decided I wanted to go to college. And so when I was a junior, I was taking college prep with ninth graders. Can you imagine how embarrassing that was, this big, dumb guy sitting in the back? I always remember sitting in the back row in the corner, and, 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 and the guys up there teaching and all this stuff, and all these young kids are getting it, and I'm there like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> So anyhow, I passed. And, you know, so and, and in some ways, I, you know, I was in 12th grader going to classes with 10th graders, trying to get enough uh, things together that I would be accepted at a college. And so when I went to the guidance counselor and spoke with them, I was, um, I was uh, the, what was it, the Naval Academy at that time came to see me play to see if I, they would give me a scholarship. But, you know, I didn't have all those preparatory classes, so that didn't work. And uh, so I, I went to the one uh, guidance counselor said, well, there's this one college I think you can go to, and uh, they'll accept you and they'll put you in a summer program uh, to see if you can qualify to stay on in the, in the fall. So I went, I applied to one college and I was accepted and went to their summer program and I made it and I started college. And I, I wanted to meet the one guy. He, he, uh, I, I always remember I've heard him say, how did he ever get into school? <laughs> you know, how did he ever get into college? And uh, so I went there and the second year I was there, God called me to the ministry and the, the pastor of the church that was there was an Assembly of God church. And the pastor of that church had always sent people to Zion Bible Institute in East Providence, Rhode Island. So I felt the call of God, and I was at that church, and he said, well, well you just put your name in here and go to Zion. It's the best school there is. So I put my name there and went to, you know, uh, figured I'd get accepted in the, the, this break in semester. Uh, Christmas, I'd end up at Providence, Rhode Island, and start, start my career in being a, a minister. It didn't happen. Uh, I met Rhonda. <laughs> First day, I, I had never, you know, this, I'd never date, I didn't date anyone my freshman year. And the, the first day, she's at school and I'm at school, I took her beanie. Now, some of you don't know what a beanie is, but those, those little caps, <laughs> all freshmen had to wear a beanie. So today it's called discrimination, but back then it was called freshman uh, harassment or freshman orientation. So I stole her beanie, and we went, went, had, I said she couldn't get it back unless she went for a walk with me, and that's how it all started. So then I went to Zion, and, you know, I got the two-year degree from Salem College, and then I have a three, well, it's, it's a three-year plus the two years. It ends up being a bachelor's, and, and uh, so anyhow, that's how I got into the ministry, and we went, got married, and went to Maine, and the rest is a 50-year history. <laughs> So, um, so there's a number of ways that God lights our path, and there are a number of things that, that go on our path. And as you look back, we always remember this is where we are from, but it's not who we are. You see, some people, you know, I, I have relatives. Um, they I always remember as a child going to their farm, and um, they... They were 
normal 1800 farmers. <laughs> you know, they had two horses or four horses and they plowed with the horses and they harrowed with the horses and you know everybody else has tractors whenever I was a kid we had tractors and machinery not them they had uh, they had uh, the horses and they lived in a little shack they had water that was on the pump <laughs> inside the house <laughs> and that was their running water and to this day my relative that still lives there their their son lives there he lives in the same house with the same water problem, <laughs> and the place is falling around, falling down around him. And he probably has more money than all of us put together, but he, he lives in this, this shack, and, you know, everything is falling around behind him, and he just kind of tinkers at farming. But he's never left that area. And so when you think about your past and you think about it, there are a lot of things that have come into your life to move you in different directions. Sometimes it's been jobs, sometimes it's been marriage, sometimes it's been school, sometimes it's been children, sometimes it's been your friends, and sometimes it's been your enemies. <laughs> but we've all, we, found our way, we found ourselves moving through the different areas of our life, and we find that the Scripture says, let the light shine. Hmm. You see, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, so if you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness, for living light will flood your path. That's John 8, 12. So whenever we see that God is directing our path, there is a light that shines on our path, and it is a living light. Hmm. We don't think of light as being alive. We don't think of, you see, the word of God is quick and powerful, quick and, powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It means that the word of God is living and active. The Word of God is living and active. Jesus became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the Word of God is a living light. It is a living part. It is the breath of God that breathed into us and made us a living soul. It is, whenever we breathe, you, you know, we, we don't realize it, but we, it's so automatic. We take a breath and the oxygen goes in and it hits our lungs and then from our lungs it ends up in every cell, every cell in our body. If cell in our body doesn't have oxygen, it dies. So we don't know that, okay, I'm forcing oxygen to every cell in my body. <clears throat> it just happens automatically because it bec it's, it's alive. It's living. And life inside of us causes things to continue to produce and to reproduce and to, you know, to continue to be active. And so when the Word of God is in our life and the Word of God is shining on our path, it is alive. It, it permeates and penetrates every aspect and every thought of our life. The enemy of our soul, the enemy of our soul does not want us to think about the life and the light of Christ shining upon every action, upon every decision, upon every avenue that we are in. The, the, the enemy of our soul wants us to doubt ourselves and to doubt our, our, our calling and to doubt our abilities and to doubt, because if he can get us to doubt, then it holds us back from action. And our, when, if we don't, you know, the Bible is always calling us to go forward, as it were, to move through our life. And we, we don't know what tomorrow holds. 
the, the people in Florida and, you know, and, and, the, and the approaching storm, they don't know what tomorrow holds. Those who've been through the storm and the disasters in the, in the islands in southern Florida and then in Texas, they don't, they don't know what's ahead. But there is, there is the light of God that says there is a, there's a hope here. There's hope before the storm comes. There's hope in the storm. There's hope after the storm. And the hope that some people have is the hope that God is going to intervene for them and help them, and God moves on our heart to do our part to help, and we send our monies and our resources, and it makes a difference in someone's life. And you are responding to somebody else's prayers you are responding to other people's prayers. And, you know, I wonder, uh, as I, I'd never known the history of Elders Ridge, <laughs> you know, where our school, but it, a preparatory school for ministers. And it was a, in the early 1900s, it was known throughout the state as one of the highest preparatory schools. Uh, and then he became a, a, a seminary, and then it became a high school. And, you know, how that the foundation for this, this school was on prayer and people <laughs> making a difference. You know, all I was doing was going to school. <laughs> I didn't know somebody had been there praying over that area and over that school. So, you see, sometimes we're just living our life and little do we know that this place has been bathed in prayer <laughs> by others in front of us. They're not, maybe not even around. They're not here anymore. And they've been praying for us. They've been praying for you. You know, the, the scripture says that we are, in, we are uh, encouraged by a great cloud or crowd of witnesses in heaven. That the people in heaven are cheering us on, you know. Don't, don't give up, you know. Go on with your faith and, and go on with this race. And, you know, it's like a, a, a sporting event, you know. Football season has started and... Penn State defeated Pitt yesterday. Yes, and there was 110,000 people there. That's more than I get on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I, well, that's another story. But uh, you see, there is, there is this, uh, there is this problem we have. And you know, I, I liken it to, um, Whenever we had our house, uh, I, I would always go up to Home Depot. I, I, I'll say Home Depot. Did you know the guy who founded Lowe's, <laughs> that, you know, it became very profitable. And um, one, one day in their corporate meetings, the guy was voted out of office. <laughs> the guy who founded Lowe's. And the corporation ousted him, almost like uh, Bill Gates was ousted. And so, um, anyhow, he's ousted from his company. So, rather than laying around and doing nothing, you know, he said, okay. So, he went and started another company called Home Depot. <laughs> and so, you know, so that's why I, I, I like Home Depot because the other guys booted him out and, and uh, he ended up some, you know, the, under, the underdog came back, you know. Well, in this case, in our lives, that no matter what happens to us, God is still in our hearts and our lives, giving us direction. The light of God shines upon our path. Well, anyhow, in Home Depot, as you walk down, you see all of these, these solar panels, these solar lights, you know. You put them in and put them in around your driveway and all that kind of stuff. So we didn't have any um, street lights where we lived. So 
I, I like to put those little lights out, so being very adventurous, I bought three. <laughs> you know, and um, so I put them out, and I figured, wow, I can't wait for them to light up, and of course, they didn't light up. Well, I figured, wow, they didn't get charged enough, you know, so I left the next day, the sun's out, and all that kind of stuff. They'll light up tonight, and they didn't light up. So it was those cheap Chinese lights made in Japan. So... <laughs> being slander or whatever. But um, so anyhow, I pulled them out and I found out it says, before operating, remove the tab. <laughs> remove the little tab. Well, sometimes I think that uh, we didn't read the instructions and we, we didn't remove the tab. There's this little tab. It's not tabby. It's a tab that you pull out and that keeps the current from flowing to the light. And I think sometimes that we keep, we, we leave that tab in when it comes to certain aspects of our life. That we, um, we don't remove the obstacles that are preventing, <laughs> that, we are, that are preventing the word of God from flowing to our hearts and lives. That we need to pull out those things. And sometimes they can be friends <laughs> that, uh, who don't have the same values. Sometimes they can be co-workers <laughs> who influence us more than uh, they should. Or sometimes it can be us, that we're just too busy. Or sometimes it can be that we don't just take the time to spend with God or to come to church. <laughs> that we have things that prevent us from connecting. And you see, we belong to Him. You know, we belong to God. And He loves us in that relationship. He loves to have us in this relationship because when we are in this relationship, he can bless us. He can, he can, he can bless our lives and he can, he can touch our lives. In the Sunday school lesson this morning, um, it talked about how that the, um, what did it talk about? The centurion, that's it. The centurion, how that he sent Jesus, sent for Jesus. Now, it's this totally goes in the face of everything that we think of with Romans and centurions. They're the, the guys who are over 100. You know, not, they're not 100 years old. They're over 100 soldiers. And, um, you know, so we often think of them as, you know, being these brawly, you know, in-your-face, conquering people and whatever. But this centurion was different. He built the synagogue and the people loved him. And he sent to Jesus for Jesus to come because his, the centurion's servant was sick and dying. And so the centurion sent for Jesus through the, through the synagogue, sent the religious leaders to get Jesus. And then they, Jesus responded, and he's coming. And then the centurion does something very different than, than others. He sent word, or maybe himself came, to Jesus and says, you know what, you don't need to come to my house. Because... I understand authority. I tell somebody to do something and they do it. All you have to do, Jesus, is speak the word and my servant is healed. He understood how things work. And he understood that Jesus was an authority over the spiritual realm and the physical realm so that his, his servant could be healed. 
And Jesus, he marvels. Wow, I haven't found such faith in all Israel. Because he understood this man, the centurion understood the positioning of authority and the order of command. And any and a higher authority gives the command that it must be followed through. And Jesus, under, and that's how he's trying to let us know that his word is the final authority. And that when we ask for God to do something, that we are asking on the authority of who Jesus is, not on the authority of who we are. There, there was a thought I had this, this week, <laughs> and um, um, I, I didn't know how I was going to work it in, but I, I found a way. I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> when, when, Moses, when Moses was called of God to go and separate the, 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 the God was separating Moses to go and lead the people, children of Israel out. He says, take your staff. Take the staff that I give you. And when Moses goes there, he throws the staff down, becomes a snake. Whenever he goes to the Red Sea, holds up the staff, the sea parts. Um, when Elijah, uh, and he has um, some people with him, and they're chopping down trees, they're chopping down some wood for whatever, and, and one of the uh, prophets that were with Elijah, the axe head flies off and into the river. And, you know, it was a great... You know, the, the man was very upset because he couldn't pay for this, and it was a borrowed axe, axe head, and an axe. And so the prophet just takes a stick and throws it in the water, and the axe head floats. Hmm. And the, the, uh, the, the thought that I had is that I was watching America's Got Talent, and I think it's America's Got Talent, and there is a magician on there. And everybody is wondering at the power of the magician. But when God works through people, people, God uses a staff to strike the rock and water comes out, to throw a stick in the, in the water and the, and the ax head floats. We're not wondering at the power of the person. We're seeing the power of God at work through something separate, as in the stick that causes an axe head. We would think that the prophet is a magician to speak to the axe head and let it float. We would think that Moses is a magician that he can speak to the rock and the rock would come out of water. He could speak to the ocean and make the ocean, we'd say, wow, what a wonderful, what, what a magician this guy is. But whenever we realize that we are instruments in the hand of God, we can speak the word of God not, and not pretend that we've got the, there's nothing within us that causes the power of God to ooze forth. <laughs> it's not that I am so special that I have the, 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 the magical power of God to, to do all this stuff. It isn't magic. It's a matter of faith. And that the, the, the God is, if God can use a donkey... To, to speak to them, you know, to, to speak to people and tell them, it doesn't matter, don't you see the angel? <laughs> well, and, and that uh, when, when Elijah, whenever they, when Elijah is uh, telling the, the uh, king of Israel what the enemy army is planning and, and, and just totally blows their, their plans, they send a whole army to capture one man <laughs> and the servants wakes up Elijah and says, look at all these people, they're going to take us captive, and what are we going to do? And Don't worry about it. There's more with us than with them. Yeah. Open, their eye. Open his eyes that he may see the angels. 
You see, when we think it's when we think it's us, then we think that we've got this God in a box or in a jar or you know in a wand. You know, shake the wand. No. Faith is understanding how God is at work in all things and that we have to believe that God is going to work all things together for good. And even though it may not feel good, it may not look good, but yet I trust him. And it isn't in something, you know, it isn't in me speaking and causing magic to happen. It is in me believing and quoting the word of God and the word becomes flesh and we hold him in our heart and the word changes things. God sent forth his word. God spoke the world into existence and he flung the stars and put them all in space and he knows them all. And he calls Abraham out from his tent and says, Abraham, look up. You see all those stars? That's how many descendants you're going to have. Yeah, but God, I don't have any kids. <laughs> you know, there's a problem here. And so don't worry about it. Let's wait until you can't possibly have children. Then let's talk about it. You see, and so you go on in faith, believing that God has spoken to your heart to bring about his promise. And that's what we're about. God doesn't worry about, and I mentioned this this morning in Sunday school, um, After the resurrection, Jesus tells Mary, go tell Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times. The first person Jesus wants to notify that he's alive is Peter. Go tell Peter and the others that I'm, I'm risen. When uh, Thomas wasn't there, and Jesus appears, and Thomas says, I'm not going to believe until I can put my finger in his, in his hands and see his side. I'm not believing. And so Jesus shows up and says, Thomas, come here. God doesn't worry about our, our questions or our, our lack of belief. God is concerned about touching our heart and letting the light of Jesus Christ that is alive work and shine a path, shine the light on our path. So the living light, <laughs> there are no shadows. In the living light, there are no shadows. It's all light to God. There's no darkness. Everything is open to God. So our hearts cannot be hiding something. Our spirits can't be hiding anything. It's all open to God. So why not allow everything that is before God to be open to God and we got a problem, we talk to God about it. And we got a doubt, we talk to God about it. Because God is the one who, his light shines, you know. His light shines upon us. You know, whenever, um, what do I want to do here? I'll do Psalm 18. Um, psalm 18, the introduction to the psalm is that uh, it's a psalm of David. And um, when David is speaking to the Lord who has delivered him from uh, his enemies and from the hand of Saul, David begins Psalm 18 this way. I love you, Lord. Now this is after the trials, after the difficulty, after he's been delivered, he writes this. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. He is my God. He is my rock in whom I take refuge. Now, if we lived in a desert, 
these would all be very meaningful terms because the rock is where you would stay at night when it gets cold. There's still heat in the rock. <laughs> in the sunlight, you would get the shadow of the rock to get out of the heat, get out of the extreme heat. That my fortress, he's the one who, he, you know, he's the one who protects me from the oncoming enemy. Um, he's my deliverer. He's the one who comes in on the, on the white horse and rescues me from all the, the difficulties. So David is writing about this, this God who comes in and rescues. He is my shield. My shield, who protects me from all the arrows and the flaming darts and everything that comes at me. I just hide behind the shield. My horn, the horn of my salvation. You know, I thought of the... Um, the old cavalry charge, you know. Well, horn of my salvation. <laughs> that the cavalry's coming, you know. Don't worry about it. The answer's on the way. He is my stronghold. I can't be defeated. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from mine enemies. There's a chorus that sings all of this. I'm not going to try it. But, uh, we see how that David is writing about this. And then verse 16 says, He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies. When we thought we were sinking, the stick, <laughs> the staff that was thrown in the water was his word that rises us, causes us to rise out of our sunken position. When the word of God comes, he opens, as it were, the Red Sea of our life by his word. And he uses his word in such a way that we find him to be my strength, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my one that I take refuge in. He is my shield. He is my salvation. He is my stronghold. He is worthy of our praise, and I'm saved from everything in life that would be an enemy to my soul. So the Lord is my light. A living light shines upon our path, shines upon our thoughts, shines upon our hearts. And what God exposes, he exposes so that it can be healed. <laughs> so that it can have strength to recover and continue the walk that God has for us. Because... <laughs> We can all look back and see where we're from. But that's not who I am. I am God's child. And where I am now, I am by divine appointment. And God is continuing to light up my path and make the crooked path straight. He is able to take that which I put in his hands, like the bread and the feeding of the 5,000, break it, multiply it, and it can touch the lives of everybody that is seated and everybody that's there to receive of what God is giving. And we pray that to happen in Texas. We pray for that to happen in Florida, that everything that is given will be multiplied many times over to meet the needs of the people. Father, take the storm, take the violence out of the storm, take the wind out of the storm, and take the gifts that are given and those who would want to hoard them, <laughs> God, may they be broke. But those who give may be multiplied to meet the needs of everyone. That's the light that shines on our path. It's living. It's alive. It's Jesus.
Amen? Let's stand. So when we look at our hands and look what we have, we say, oh, it's just a stick, you know? God can use what's ever in our hands. And, and he, he often uses what we have to make a difference in people's lives. The one person at our uh, class reunion, the one, one of the wives of uh, the one, one man who was kind of wild whenever we were in school. He's now a preacher, a pastor. Um, she said, isn't it really wonderful what such a, when, when, when God makes a difference in people's lives, how much that has made to all the people around them? You know, and 50 years from now, when we look back at this moment and this place in your life, what a different you've, difference you have made in the people around you. <laughs> And we didn't do anything but live and love and forgive and touch, smile, encourage. He made a difference. Because that's Jesus in us touching the lives of others. It's a living light. He is a living light. Thank you, God, for hearing our prayers. Thank you, God, for meeting the needs. Not only in our life, but in the lives of those, oh God, that are in great need from the disasters that have taken place and are taking place. Take the wind out of the storm. Take the violence out of the storm. Be with the gifts that are given. Multiply them. Let those who bring hope bring Christ to people's lives. God, bless our lives and continue to multiply the fruit of our lives that we can continue to honor you with our gifts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.